This is Josh. Thanks for tuning into the show, Healers on Healing. I wanted to make this show because we can get caught in the trappings of life. Responsibilities, bills to pay, kids to feed, just all these things that take our attention. And to me, healing and being our healthiest self gets neglected. I thought it'd be interesting to ask my colleagues and other professionals what the heck this thing, health and healing, is. I hope these conversations inspire you, demystify the process, maybe reinforce what you already know, and give you new ideas on how to be the healthiest you. In today's episode, my guest Rochelle Greenhagen explores the deep question of what is really me. Rochelle is a therapist practicing in San Francisco. Tune in as Rochelle talks about the importance of coming to terms with our true selves and opens up about her own healing story dealing with an eating disorder. Before we get to this awesome episode with Rochelle, I wanted to let you know that the first season of Healers on Healing will be coming to an end soon. However, while we are on hiatus, I've created a new podcast show called Enjoyment. True to its name, this show explores the perspectives we gain while looking at our joys, and the first season will particularly focus on the voices of men talking about the joys of fatherhood. You can subscribe to Enjoyment wherever you get your podcasts. My name's Rochelle Greenhagen, and I'm a psychotherapist practicing in San Francisco. I specialize in working with eating disorders, but I do have a range of clients in my practice. Lots of different ages and genders and issues, and it's really cool, really wonderful. I mean, there's so many ways I've phrased it, but like, what do you think you're doing? What is health and wellness? Yeah, what do you make of this Mm -hmm. art form? such a small question. (laughs) Such a small question. Um, You know, as I've been thinking about this, I think the thing that is healing to me is like the process of discovering one's truest self beyond what we've been told we are or should be or the expectations that get put on us or how we've adapted to deal with things that may or may not have been good for us. What is really me? And I think that's such a hard thing for a lot of people to actually get underneath all of that other stuff, especially in a world that puts so much on us. And I think I feel that especially in the Bay Area, honestly. There's like a lot of standards and expectations, but really everywhere we're asked to leave ourselves so early on. And I think it's like coming back home to self and finding balance amongst our different parts of self, which we're all very complex but learning to getting to know all of it I think is what healing is is your sense of the true self like we're just born with it and that is what it is does it develop along the way we throw this notion of true yeah, self totally. around in this field totally I think or... it's a really good question I mean I think of it as st- I don't think it's stagnant 
I think we're developing all the time, so I think that's a dynamic idea. So I don't know that we're born with it and it's fixed necessarily, but I do think there's kind of an essence that we have that does start from early on and gets impinged upon in all these ways. And with myself, with so many clients, there's this like so much difficulty even knowing what feels good or what we want or what resonates because there's been so many ideas put upon us. I think we're born with something, probably, and maybe that's more of a spiritual sense of self, but I think we all have a wisdom, like a knowing, that feels the core and the truth that we lose touch with a lot. And I I use a lot of different words for it, like I'm saying true self here, but I think our compass, our soul self, some of the things I would kind of use interchangeably with that idea. Correct me as I'm listening to you, but I almost like this notion of I. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Like really finding, when I make a statement of I, I want... That's right. Dot, dot, dot. I need dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Really coming to find an I that is like a purest, most under my control, understanding sense of it. I feel it in my solar plexus, like kind of where my rib cage comes together. That's where I kind of anchor myself and like that's where I'm seated. And if I'm thinking about trying to check in with myself, that's where I kind of go. So I think there are body anchors to it for sure. But I think it is this, when you said I, I remembered one time I was in kind of a ritual space and just coming up with this term of like I am. Like that was all. Not I am this or I am that, just I am. And this feeling of like groundedness and, and solidity in that experience. And it is kind of a hard thing to put words to. When you know it, you know it, kind of. And there's a clarity that comes from that. I find myself wanting to ask you two questions. Sure. And, well, I'll let you decide which okay. to go down first. Here, things tear us away from this and things aid us mm. in this. Mm-hmm. Ritual <laughs> space, community, yeah, totally. connecting to people aids it we haven't really gotten into although we've named the shoulds and the expectations and the false beliefs but Mm -hmm. i'd like to go down both of those roads with you Um, i think i'd like to go with what tears us away actually just in the arc of trying to come back to to healing i think there are so many things that do that i think i can safely say and i don't know if you'd agree with me that almost everyone that comes into my office that wants therapy that needs support in that way has had challenges in their relationships early on with caregivers especially you know and that can be in really big traumatic kind of obvious ways or in more subtle ways to name some of the subtle ways I think it's like parents who even unconsciously need their children to take care of them or who are kind of deeply in their own wounding and not able to really offer a space for their child to just develop and become who they are and so there's this feeling of I think that happens for a lot of us this feeling of oh man my parent is isn't okay in whatever way so I need to make sure they're okay so they can take care of me because I need them and in that process I think there starts to be this break in just natural connection to what do I want and need and more oriented towards what's outside of us I think as life goes on, that can happen in lots of other relationships, too, with peers and friends and other adults and romantic partners. 
it's painful and it gives us an opportunity to work with it <laughs> as we start to realize it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And I, I really like the language you used. Oh man, I want this person to take care of me. So let me do something that's to right. take care of them. And I, I, yes. I, I feel like that's even, we can almost even generalize, oh, I want this job. For sure. So yes. let me transform yes. myself because I, you know, I want the job to take care of me financially. Absolutely. Oh, I want this partner. Yes to stay romantically interested yeah. in me. Oh, I want this friend just to hang out with Absolutely. me. Uh, but it happens in lots of ways. And I think as a therapist too, I'm trying to watch for that in my clients too. Is there a way you're trying to please me or make sure I'm okay so that you can get what you need? But I think that can happen so automatically and unconsciously at a certain point that if we can bring awareness to it, it's, it's an opportunity for healing. It shows up everywhere. Totally. And it's so sincere and innocent. Like, that's oh, what I think absolutely. I'm so, like, absolutely. drawn for. Like, how sweet and innocent that, okay, like, I want something from you, yeah. so I'll play along. Absolutely. <laughs> what do you need me to be? What do you need me to be? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, it's so true. It's touching to hear you say it. Like, that kind of earnestness of just, I just want to be good, you know? <laughs> it's such a, I mean... To kind of speak back to like the larger arc, I think to me, healing is also landing in like, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm okay as I am. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good enough. Even if I'm not doing all this dance of trying to be what everybody else needs and wants me to be. Totally. And that's probably a good segue back to the mm-hmm. other side and yeah. we can bounce back and sure. forth. But learning that I'm okay, even if I'm, I'll even take it to more of the extremes. I'm okay even that I'm, I have anger. Yeah. I'm okay even that I have these ugly parts of myself that yeah, are not totally. sweet, happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And how are we gifted with that? How did mm-hmm. you come to this place of I am? Totally. Totally. <laughs> I love that you went there. Just that not either or that I think can really happen for us along the way when we learn this is how I'm supposed to be, whatever, whatever shapes that. And then we can get really perfectionistic about that. I'm either being that or I'm not. And if I'm not, I'm failing and I'm bad. But to be able to say like, I can really fuck something up and I'm still okay. I can really not be my most loving or smart or sweet self and I'm still okay. I think it's a long journey, I'll say that. But I think there's this way that we really over-index on trying to get it right, a lot of us do. And that really excludes the part of us that you started to speak to, which I I love the less polished stuff, you know, in other people and in myself. It's where I think we connect, honestly. I'm angry, I feel hatred, I am really scared. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. I don't understand this thing that I think I'm supposed to understand. And when we start to bring that stuff more forward and allow it, I think there's more space then to find balance. I can have an idea about what the thing that would bring about the most safety for myself or other people or what would bring about the the like cleanest, most optimal kind of situation. But I also can feel like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. And that in that interplay, I think, and when we can kind of zoom out from both of those, there's this contact with, okay, that all makes sense. 
how can I like welcome all of that input and decide what the right course of action is for me here? And I think that develops from slowly revealing more and more of myself, even the ugly parts, even the messy parts, and having people not only accepting me there, but like leaning in even more and loving me and me just having to continuously come back to like, how is this possible? That here I am like taking this risk to show that this part of myself, I wouldn't even admit to myself existed. And you're like right there. And somehow over time, I think that transmuted into, I guess maybe I'm just okay. And I would like try that on in little ways. What if I just wasn't as vigilant? What if I just hung out here? Could that possibly just be okay? And I started to experience how good that feels to not be carrying that constant vigilance. And slowly, it's more okay to just be me. Beautiful. I want to ask you more about your personal journey, but I want to ask something before. Yeah. I loved your language of, oh, wait, and they're leaning in. Yeah, yeah. And, (laughs) you know, I think there is such this belief of, you know, the story that rejection, abandonment, you know, like this will not fly over. That's right. And I think there is this thing that I'm not sure how to help people know it's true until they start experiencing it. But actually, in my experience, I've watched, like I've been part of a men's group community. I've been part of that actually when someone is doing something authentic, even if it's quote unquote ugly. Right. Yeah kind of human instinct is to lean in, yeah. is yeah. to move towards that. There is actually something we are very attracted totally. to with, I don't know if it's authenticity, I don't know if it's realness and you're being real and that invites me to right. be real, right. so I'm attracted to that. Yeah. Maybe that's my question to you. Like yeah. It does seem to me that all our fears are based on something that's not actually the human (laughs) instinct which is to actually love and lean in yeah well like this I mean when you're talking another word that comes to me is just like aliveness you know like that authenticity that just like whoa something's happening here that feels real and I I say often I'll say this to clients sometimes like I feel so lucky that my job is just to be with what is real because I think There's so much falseness and pretense and putting on whatever persona to try to be and to just be able to just be with what's real, no matter how ugly, we keep doing quotation marks, ugly or messy or unflattering we may think it is. There's something so relieving, I think, about just like, okay, that's what it is. And I agree with you. I think there is this instinct to lean in. I think exceptions to that are... When people feel really scared of going to a certain place in themselves, they can sort of want to get away from it. Like an example that I think comes up a lot is when people are sad or crying and people may react if, they ha- if they're not comfortable with their own sadness with like, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to help you, uh, and they just try to fix it. So I think there is something too about being in spaces with people who have gotten comfortable with a wider range of stuff within themselves that they can also lean in when other people go there and feel like I don't know if you were thinking this but there's almost like an excitement with it too I mean you can feel a range of things as you're feeling someone having a big experience but it's it's maybe more aliveness but something that just feels like good I love the word aliveness and I 
I think almost on some level, and this is maybe me and maybe me as a as a therapist's eyes. Yeah, right. But it's like it's like touching moments that really feel transformative. Oh, there is like when I heard excitement, <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. something actually is going to develop from totally. this moment. Yeah. And that I think is very exciting to the human spirit. I think so too. I got chill I just got yeah. like goosebumps when you said it. <laughs> There is something, it's just like a power, yeah. you know, in yeah. those kinds of moments. Yeah, it's not pretend, it's not yeah. we're going to kind of go along on the same, like, and not to say we're all going to transform from just that moment right. of authentic of expression yeah. or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but it has this potential, I It think. does, it's potential. Like you said, I think it's a good point that we don't have an aha moment or a breakthrough and then everything's different for most of us overnight, you know, I think it's an important piece that can kind of shift things around and start having us question things or orient differently. But it's still a process of like integration, I guess, after that to sort of bring that into our sense of ourselves and how to apply that in our lives and in our relationships. Totally. Yeah. There's lots of reason I think therapy works or, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, throughout this show I'm always like it doesn't have to be therapy I just yeah, totally I agree <laughs> it's just my frame of reference <laughs> yeah, but yeah but it really doesn't yeah. in an ideal world the reason therapy is working the reason you're paying this person is in some ways that they have done some sort of work to expand themselves yeah. yeah. so that they aren't frightened by whatever you're bringing so yeah. that so they can sit there and invite it in and then it invites it in and you know like like it just reminded me of like one of the reasons therapy works is ideally it's because part of our expertise I put that in quotes (laughs) again is I've gone there to some degree I've I've gone there (laughs) to some degree yeah yeah. Like I always joke, ask your therapist if they go to therapy totally like that's like the one question I kind of think is like the best way to know (laughs) yeah I I think it's so important because I think a lot of reason why people in our lives are our caregivers early on, our parents, people later on do damage to us when we come forward in our true self is because they haven't been there themselves and they don't know, they react in a way that's shaming or damaging. And I think ideally a therapist has done some work to be able to say like whatever comes up I'm going to be here with you in it. Even if we don't kind of know exactly what to do at first, either of us, we're just going to figure it out together. Like, I'm with you. I'm not going to cut off from you. I'm not going to get mad at you for having whatever is coming up come up. And yes, I, I really love that. I've never thought about it quite that way. But like paying for the expertise of like I've done some I've done some of that inside myself and therefore feel like I can help you hold whatever comes up. Totally. For you. Totally. Yeah. I am going to ask you more about your personal journey, but I have some other questions (laughs) that keep... Ask me first. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Listen to that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm very intrigued by this question right now, and I want to ask you about it. Mm -hmm. How do we inspire people, and really it's people who haven't tasted this? Yeah. I look at the world, and I see the like oh come on world like yeah yeah let, go, go, like come on yeah. there's there is this thing out here and you can have it and yeah. I promise you you can have it 
can you inspire it? Is it just, we have to wait, you can lead a horse to water. That's right. But yeah, what's your sense of yeah. like inspiring people yeah. in their work? It's such a good question. What comes to mind initially for me, and I'll work from there, is a lot of my clients will kind of ask me questions like that. You know, there's this person in my life who's really suffering or really doing a lot of damage to themselves and other people or whatever. Like, how do I get them to <laughs> do the work on themselves or work towards healing? And I'll say to them, and what I think is true is it's a combination of maybe planting seeds, like, hey, I think this could be useful for you, or, hey, I wonder about if you could use more support than you have right now, or something like that. But what I say them mostly is, like, you're modeling it. Keep being you in the world. Show, like, let, be vulnerable. Let yourself and your process be a part of how you show up. And I do think that has ripple effects for people. I also think it's true that you can't make anybody do anything. Rarely does really good stuff come out of force or really strong will. It's more allowing and supporting whatever is. And I do think there's an element too to this work that we're talking about, another quotation word, is really hard. I think you have to be a badass to show up to like, all right, I'm going to look at everything I've tried to avoid looking at my entire life, or I'm going to go into feeling all the things that I've been terrified to feel. It takes such courage. I don't fault people for not wanting to do it or for not feeling like they can at a certain time. And I think it does take an element of getting to the point that you're like, I can't keep doing things the way that I'm doing. That usually inspires people to do that kind of work. I think suffering is such a motivator. Yeah. But I also think inspiration yeah, is such a motivator. And yeah. I've been really yeah. sad that I feel like we've kind of overindulged letting suffering be yeah. the motivator. Yeah. And you. yet, in a way, it's like the fail safe. Like yeah. if I'm not spending enough time being led by my inspiration and mm-hmm. my, mm-hmm. that light inside of yeah. me is yearning for. Yeah. There's this failsafe that yeah. I'll get to a place where I'll hurt enough. Totally. <laughs> that, that, that I'll make the turn as well. Yeah. But I do kind of yeah. hate the, I, I the over indulgence, I think, of letting suffering be like the guide, kind the guide, of. Or the, the guide, or the tr- function, yeah, the yeah. force. Yeah. yeah. And I do, just when you were saying that, I think often if we get a taste of something, a feeling of really genuine contact with someone, maybe someone who's done some work on themselves and it feels different to sit with them than it does with other people. Or you have, I think travel sometimes really inspires people or just new experiences. You become a parent, you decide to commit to someone long-term. Like these things can sort of wake you up to, whoa, I want to go deeper. I want to understand more. I think that's maybe the way to go the inspiration route, but I join you in wishing and hoping that it can be more about that sometimes and in some ways than it is. I can't stand hurting as much as I'm hurting, so I have to do something about it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Swinging to the multiple times I've now threatened <laughs> you with yeah. these questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I will actually. You know what? What you know? What has inspired you? What has helped you? Mm-hmm. What has your path looked like to inspire others? Perhaps by sharing yeah. it. You know. That's a really 
awesome question. It's interesting because just as we're talking, I certainly, I think, was... The case for me was I started suffering so much that I couldn't ignore it anymore. But I also think in that process, which I'll talk a little bit more about, there was this part of me that always just wished that it felt that things could feel easier or that there was a way to like accept myself and feel like I could be myself in relationship with other people. Like I think I did have this hope somewhere in me that, that it could be different. And so I think when the suffering presented itself to the point that I had to do something about it, there was more that I wanted than just to relieve suffering on some level. I mentioned I specialize in eating disorders, but I went through my own eating disorder recovery process starting in my early 20s. And, you know, it's such an interesting thing, and it, it gives me so much trust, actually, in people's processes of healing because it wasn't linear. It wasn't like I found a therapist and it was the perfect person and then I just did this thing. It was like a lot of pieces of finding my way to the kind of support and healing that I needed. I was lucky enough to get that at some point and get more and more of that. Like there have been multiple kind of chapters of my process, I think, and the book's not finished. Yeah, I, I got to a point where I couldn't ignore the fact that I was hurting myself and hurting my body and I was harming my relationships with people and wasn't really living anymore. I really needed so much support and I think I had a story that I wasn't supposed to need support or I couldn't just accept. I had this experience like early in my recovery process where I was getting lots of supportive like letters and emails from family and friends and I broke down because I was like I'm never going to be able to respond to all of these. And a close person in my life was like, you don't have to. <laughs> no one's expecting that of you. You're not supposed to. So part of my healing was in learning how to receive and not feel like I had to either make it equal or give more than I was taking. Like, I still have to learn about that, but it's gotten a lot, a lot more accessible to me to just receive. And through my own journey of my recovery process was when I had a light bulb moment of like, oh, this is, I want to sit in this kind of therapeutic space always. Like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> and so I, I began the process of exploring and then being trained to become therapist and sit with people on the other side. So I feel so blessed in so many ways that the next right thing just kept appearing for me. And grad school was that. And then like my, my practicum was that and my training beyond that. And it hasn't felt perfect every step of the way, for sure. But in retrospect, it's easy to see that the path was just illuminating itself for me. I do feel specifically inspired by and, like, I want to pass on people's learning how to not be at war with their bodies anymore, which is not really about the body. I think it's about being at war with the self. But it manifests in this way that is so supported by our society like that we all should be fighting to have a particular kind of body and that can just for people who have the hook for that become the only thing that matters and people will kill themselves to try to get it. It's really amazing to me how in the specific world of eating disorders there's all these ways that like the movement around self-compassion and being more vulnerable and 
being your authentic self, like there's just a lot of ways that those things weave together. Consider myself recovered from my eating disorder. And I, I hope that gives people hope. It's something I'm open about with my clients so they know that. They don't know a lot about it necessarily unless they ask questions, but just that I've walked somewhere close to the path that they're walking. And I think whether we do that in a very specific way, like I've been through something very similar versus kind of what you said before, just I, I've gone places, I've worked on myself, I go to therapy. <laughs> There's just a way that I think there can feel like an abundance of potential in that too. And I'm inspired constantly by my clients. <laughs> I learn so much from the people that I work with, and that's another way that I just feel so blessed that I've found my way to a job that I love and that I feel inspired by every day. And it's not just when people are doing better. It's also when they're really in it and like able to show up to that to whatever degree that they are and share that with me. Thank you. <laughs> Here we are speaking of like these moments and it's great to share our expertise and talk on that level. Yeah. But hmm. all of a sudden I feel the energy mm-hmm. of just being here with you yeah. and hearing your story. And yeah. I appreciate you doing that um, and sharing that. Yeah. It's so, I mean, there's so many things I could ask you about and so yeah. many things that it stirs. I don't know why I was struck by this the most, but it, yeah. I'm lucky that things showed up. Yeah. I think it's a testament to what you were doing. Mm. Yes, this work is hard. Yes, to look at things you don't want to look at. Yes. But I think the, your life does respond. Whether you want to go oh, yeah. to like the spiritual, sure. you know, yeah. love, attractions, whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it seems to me that is kind of where the story goes when people... Yeah. Start course correcting. That suddenly, this is the show of quotes. Yes, I know that. <laughs> that, that, That's what I'm going to call it. The show of quotes with Rochelle. <laughs> but suddenly, yeah. Yeah. this showed up randomly. Sure. And suddenly, and yeah. I got, oh, and you know, but I'm not so sure it's just unrelated. I'm, I'm with you, and I agree. I think there's a way that I want to acknowledge my privilege, the way that I had access to things that made it possible for me. But I also think you're right that there was a, I, oh, like my eyes were open and I was really, I mean, it's what started to, I think, really put me in touch with, to go back to the beginning, like my true self, my authentic self was like, this isn't really working for me. What might, you know, and like being able to start to explore what treatment professionals, what modalities, what places <laughs> spoke to me and made me, and it wasn't like I knew it right away, you know, but I think I just was starting to feel into what really resonated with me. And I do think that had to do with my gumption and tenacity that like I was going to tackle this thing and I was going to learn how to do it differently and you know one thing I didn't mention but it feels I don't know it's it's a part of my story for sure one of the big reasons that I started work on my eating disorder was because of my younger sister I looked at her and 
saw her looking up to me and was like, I don't want to be a model for her of how to destroy herself. I want to be a model for her of I can learn and grow and, and like be myself. And I think that was the spark for me in a way like, okay, I'm taking this seriously. I share that because yeah, part of it came from something within me, but I also feel like it's really okay for me that it came from outside me a little bit to start with. And it certainly became very much something I took on myself, but it was my relationship with her. It was the fact that I wanted to keep being able to be in one with her and go through life and show up for her. And that inspired me. So it was a mix of things. Yeah. There's something to touch in there, but there's also something from a little previous that I want to jump back to. I also loved your articulation of how this I'm not even sure what language to, to <laughs> use, but it there's a problem with how you're treating yourself and your body. Yes. But then that pinball goes and then hits, oh, there's a problem of how I take in support. Yeah, like it, totally. What, like, <laughs> and, and I think yeah. I really like that articulation because I think that is part of, you know, we start pulling one thread yes. and suddenly totally. we bump into this and then oh when I bump into that I bump into this you know and and I don't know it just seemed like something to draw our attention to of like the healing process and what it looks like and absolutely the annoying thing about it but but in bumping into all those things you become this healthier whole because you're bumping into you know that's right and I mean I think you're also I don't know if this is what you meant but what I hear and what you say is the kind of metaphor of being able to take in and nourish oneself with food and being able to take in and nourish oneself with support and love and care. And I think a lot of things, like a lot of the way that quote unquote symptoms showed up, whatever that looks like from anxiety and depression to eating disorder to addiction to panic attacks to whatever it is, like underneath those symptoms is usually some stuff around relationship and where things got funny or where we struggle to let ourselves do what we need in them or be ourselves in them. And I had a mentor tell me once, and I think this could be said of lots of different things, but she and I were talking about eating disorders. So she said, work around boundaries in relationship is like graduate work for people who had eating disorders. You know, it's like that next, or it's, it's a, it's a later layer of the work, like how, How do I let myself not just take care of myself, my physical self? How do I take care of myself in relationships? And yes, like doors just keep getting open to more and more things like those crazy pinball machines. And how beautiful that, I mean, going back to the things that, and then I found school and then I found, you know. Yeah. I mean, it really is a testament to, I think when you say those things, then I found new and new places to take in support. Yes, absolutely. And and it's a testament to you. Yeah. And in, in your openness. Yeah. Into practicing yeah. the other side. Yeah. And then yeah. finding communities that were willing to practice absolutely. with you. Absolutely. <laughs> Hold me in those places for yeah. sure. And I do think a lot of that is like there's a breaking down that has to happen. I like breaking apart of the armor of the like kind of 
default ways of being and sometimes that literally looks like falling apart it did for me you know just kind of like pools of tears and kind of crumpled body and from that something new can come and I think to your point being open to and looking for places to be that I could be held allowing that to happen and then kind of finding the right kind of people and community to do that for me like that continued to get refined you know the the ones that could hold me in a way where I could feel safe enough to fall apart for example going back to your sister mm-hmm. <laughs> the more I've talked to people about this topic the more I do the work the more I do my own work like it's so amazing how fundamentally social and relational oh yeah yeah. I've really come to see yeah. the human <laughs> beings as, God, we are so, like, relation. Really? I guess I need to, like, interview, like, the Unabomber just to, like, test it. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that person right. who right. totally isolated yes. themselves. Yes. But it sure as hell seems to me we're a pack animal. Yeah, we are. We're a pack animal. Yeah. And that pack can help and, and unfortunately can hurt too but absolutely but you know in some yeah, ways I want to celebrate yeah. you know right now we're on sort of the, the celebration of how it helped and yeah. like your connection to your sister and you're wanting to be yeah the role model absolutely you're wanting to stay in connection with her yes was it a beautiful yeah. light in the darkness uh, that's exactly what it was yeah. that's exactly what it was yeah. and she doesn't like to take credit for that, but I think I think it was something about our bond, even through a lot of challenge in our relationship, especially when we were younger, but I think we both get nourished from it, you know, and it's taken different forms at different times, but I think that's the beautiful thing about relationship is if they last long enough, there's going to be opportunities for support to go both ways and for needing things to go both ways and just what you're speaking to about us being pack animals and I've heard you speak about this before the very individualistic society that we live in and how we're kind of trained and taught that we shouldn't need people we should just need ourselves like we should be able to do it all on our own and I think that's just so fundamentally damaging because it really takes us away from what we need more than anything, probably, <laughs> beyond the very basic survival things. But totally. we're not going to get very far without connection. Totally. Yeah. Totally. There's not a question here. There's a sharing here. Just yeah. You've been so honoring me with your story. <laughs> it's funny. Even in therapy, I called it. I call this my Voldemort moment because I don't know what to call it. Yes. So I just yes. have named it Voldemort yeah. as yeah. a as an honor to like. I don't know, breaking open, breaking, you know. But, like, you know, I descended into panic attacks, and I had a severe, I had to take time off from seeing clients, you know, that I had this. And it was to have me address this notion that I kind of saw myself as I had to be the master of the ship that held everything else together after having my son in a year, that first year of no sleep and totally. <laughs> I, yeah. I broke, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and it's like the greatest thing and mm-hmm. hardest thing Absolutely. I've ever Absolutely. had to do. Yeah. But right, there's these fundamental notions of like my identity within 
relationships and how to lean into other people and how to not just be the center of strength and you know it's like so funny all these stories we get right yeah and and then thankfully I mean now I'm more and more appreciating now that I'm more and more past it yes of course (laughs) that I could be like thank you thank you life (laughs) (laughs) thank you god thank you you know because yeah now I taste all the sweetness after it but it is such a weird crazy thing that I don't know seems part of the story yeah I've said very similar words to what you said about my eating disorder it's like the worst and hardest and best thing that happened to me, (laughs) you know, and such, so interesting that all of that can exist together. And I think it's a trick for like, we can hold that, that light comes from darkness, healing comes after suffering. But when you're in the midst of it, there's no skipping ahead. (laughs) There's no like, you know, it's all going to be, this is actually going to really help me at some point. So it's okay. You know, like we we're just in it. And I think that's part of it. And it's, it can be a trick, I think, as someone who's trying to help other people through those times to also stay there. I can hold in myself. I know there's something coming for you. I know that this is happening because it has to. There's times when no amount of knowing that helps. And that's part of the process, I think. And I think I'm saying that for myself. I'm saying that for people who are in it. And I, you know, if ever anyone told me when I was really suffering, like, this is happening for a reason and you're going to feel, you know, like there's, there's stuff on the other side. I would want to choke them. Allowing it to be what it is without needing it to be something else before it is, I guess is what I'm saying. Do you have a spiritual sense of all this? Do you go to that level of all this? Are you... Yeah. To a degree. I don't, I feel like I have a very amorphous spirituality and like sense, sense of things, but I certainly think that that level is happening and there's a way that that is holding all of it, which is helpful in trusting that there's like a reason. But I feel like so many spiritual teachings, religions, like there is this notion of suffering and something coming from suffering and that's it's archetypal to a certain degree i think you know emerging what a hero's journey alchemy whatever there's like lots of different ways that this gets spoken to i think when you asked me in the very beginning are we born with this true self thing and i i said soul self is a part of how i think of that i do think that we have a spiritual self that is like the truest place inside of us that is ultimately fundamentally connected. And I think our human, the human aspects of us can get us away from that or can make us feel like we're not, or we shouldn't be, but we are. And I think it's more of a allowing for that and tapping back into that. That's also a part of the healing for sure. Going towards your best self, going towards your healthiest self, going towards your healed self, whether it's conscious or unconscious, is such an act of faith. Oh, yeah. It's such an act oh, of yeah. trust. Oh, it's such an act of... It's really quite beautiful, whether you take it for that or not. I mean, it really, to me, is, is like where I understand what those words really mean. 
Me too. <laughs> Me too. One of my favorite quotes, and I use it for eating disorder recovery a lot, but I think it applies to all all of this healing stuff that we're talking about. And I don't even know if anyone who said it or if anyone specifically said it, but it's leap and the net will appear. It's not, oh, there's the net. I can jump now. You know, like it is. It's a total leap of faith into I don't know what's coming, but I'm going to stop fighting, resisting, being this version of myself that is not good for me, that doesn't make me feel alive. And God, that's terrifying. I tell this story to clients sometimes. A therapist that I had, she wasn't my first therapist, but it was pretty early on in my process, gave me a whiteboard in one of our sessions, like a little, I don't know, like three by four whiteboard, and was like, write down everything that you know about yourself. And I didn't have anything to write. I just broke down into tears. And to me, that was, it's like, I'm trying to shed this eating disorder identity, but I don't know who I am outside. Like, I don't know. I have no idea because everything that I was was a construction or everything I was aware of was just a construction to please or be what I thought I should be or be what felt the safest. And it took like, okay, I'm going to let this go or work to get out of this pattern of behavior, even though I don't know what's on the other side of that. And something came, you know, and I've seen it with every single person I've seen take the leap that you're talking about into healing, into trying it different. What's been fun for me being able to be on this side of it is also seeing, not that there's like a path, Yes. But more and more, like, actually, no, there is there is a singular path to you, and it can look six zillion exactly. ways, but in that, it's actually, like, you can go anywhere. Yeah. Like, I've kind yes. of taken that on a positive, totally. like, you can go anywhere. I agree. Just go. I, I totally <laughs> agree, and it's, I think even in the process of becoming a therapist, there's this, oh my God, how am I supposed to do this? Like, I don't know the right way to be a therapist. And there's something comforting in seeing that a process will unfold regardless. And it probably won't look identical, but there's it, there's a path to something that we'll find our way to. I'll leave it open-ended. Yeah. You know, we're rounding the bend. Is there anything that was stirred for you in this conversation that you'd like to place words to or I feel a lot of gratitude for the opportunity to just get to sit and be with you and have a conversation if there's a parallel process happening you know of just getting to feel connected and getting to feel seen and heard and like I feel you know a word that's really important for me in the healing work I think is curiosity and you bring that and I feel like the opportunity to do that with you is really great really powerful. So much of what I think happens in this work is like more and more layers of and opportunities to just accept. Accept oneself, accept what is, accept that I have these ways of defending against my feelings or my needs. I have these ways of protecting myself that are harming me in certain ways, but I feel like I need them. And just being accepting that. 
Like there are reasons for that, you know? It makes sense that you're doing it that way. And I actually think through someone doing that for us or as we do that for ourselves, it allows us to relax and let some of those things fall away. But it is a really complicated and hard to wrap one's head around paradox that we can only change when we first accept. (laughs) But it feels like it shows up for me over and over again in so many ways. And I think I'll just say, like, to kind of come back to your inspiration piece, like, I hated myself so much for so long. And to actually be able to feel I love and accept myself, which I do almost all the time, is incredible. I'm still kind of in awe of that. That doesn't mean that I don't struggle to do that in moments or forget everything that I know or come up against the hard shit that life inevitably throws and it makes it harder. But to go from defaulting to hating myself no matter what to defaulting to a phrase I really like to use, which is like being on my own team, is really amazing. And it's why I keep showing up and and wanting to support other people because I believe that is possible for absolutely anybody. I don't think it's about getting to a point for any of us where we don't feel anxious or we don't have hard feelings or we don't have difficulty in relationship, etc., etc. That's not possible in my mind. But it's like, how do I show up for myself, to myself, where do I turn when that happens? And I think trying to stay on my own team, which is how I think of it for myself and some sometimes the language that I use with my clients, like that's that's what we can get to. Well, I'm first of all I wanna applaud that is I'm mm. applauding you getting there and Thank doing you. that and like woo Yeah you know, like it, that is like it's kind of Yeah, stand up and cheer yeah it's amazing like I can just I have felt that transformation inside myself and it makes me want to go woo and there's also a part of me that's like oh I can't (laughs) believe I'm saying that but it's it's true that's true I mean I've only known you on the other side and even that we've we know each other in a sort of ships passing yes, sort of totally, way. Yes, totally, totally. So I really, like, this has been so delightful mm. to, like, sit in this space with you and, like, really get to sit with you. Yeah. And, I mean, you just shine with expertise and yourself. Mm. And it's such, <laughs> that is, like, such a gift. And it really is beautiful. And I'm, I feel so lucky mm. to have gotten it on tape. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. I'm, like, really touched by that. I'm really yeah. taken in what you're saying. And I this has been wonderful. Like I would like to reverse roles a little bit and ask you more questions sometime. But yeah, what a what a what an amazing thing that you're doing. I actually feel so inspired when I listen to this work that you're doing and it's such an amazing blessing and opportunity to get to be here and do it with you. Well, I'm I'm going to throw this out here. Many people have asked me to flip this. Yes. So if you're interested in being yes. the guest interviewer, oh my god, I will take you up on that. <gasps> yes, and we could record this and flip roles, and I will put it out as my answer to these questions. Oh my god, and I would if, love that. If you're open to that, I will. I totally invite us to do that. And no, I want to. <laughs> I would love it. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you too. Yeah.
Thank you, Rochelle, for sharing your wisdom with us. And a shout out to my best bud, Justin Reed, for the music you hear in each episode. If you want to reach out to either of these individuals, there are links in the show notes, so check those out. And of course, thank you to you, the listener, for joining us. If you are digging these conversations, please help us spread the word by telling people directly or through social media about this podcast. Tune in again for another great episode.